Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Good morning. Man, that worship was just redonkulous. Like, <clears throat> there was a couple of times I was sitting over here in the front and I kept turning around and I was like, there's no way. <clears throat> Did anybody else feel like there was somebody else singing with us other than just who was in here? Like, I, I was like, it felt like a choir of angels was up in this place. And I don't say that like flippantly. Like I was, I kept turning around looking like there's no way that all of this is coming from what we've got in this room. Like God showed up. Um, and the good thing is, is he hasn't left. So we're just going to kind of jump in this morning. Um, I do have a flight to catch. Uh, Heidi booked it kind of early. So I, it's obvious she doesn't like hearing me preach very long. Um, <laughs> see, she's already leaving. She doesn't even care. <clears throat> Thanks, Heidi. Love you too. See, Terry's not here, so I guess I'll pick on Heidi this morning. Um, I, don't have, I don't have a lot of time, but <clears throat> if you weren't here last night, I, I did have some copies of my book. It's basically my testimony in a book format. Um, I've got a few left, not many. <clears throat> we will have them available in the, the lobby after service. They are $15. Um, we no longer accept your um, oldest child um, because people actually started trying to pay with that and we already have three kids and that's too many um, so if anybody wants a kid uh, if you'll just let me know we can ship one out here um, and then hopefully we'll come visit them every year when we come back and preach for you guys um, because one thing that uh, my wife and I have okay my wife said no we're gonna keep our kids um, my wife will come visit me because she's leaving me behind at this point. Um, she actually said yes. Um, that hurt my soul. But anyway, no, we, we were here last year, actually this exact weekend last year, we were here for your seventh uh, cookout um, anniversary deal and just had a great time and uh, love y'all's church. And, you know, we were just driving around yesterday and we, just, we love Montana. And that was even before we went to Shields. Um, like this morning is honestly one of the strongest I've ever felt the presence of God in my life. And like one of the other times when we went to Shields for the first time yesterday, I was like, <laughs> wow, I sensed Jesus in this place. Uh, it was, no, it was awesome. Um, so we've just had an amazing time and, and honestly, we just, we love hanging out with your pastors. Um, well, good. I mean, one other person said they are too. So, <laughs> hey, hey, it's better than last year. I didn't hear anybody say it last year. Um, <clears throat> but no, we, uh, we love hanging out with your pastors and just sitting down and talking with them and like listening to even the good things they say about their congregation. You know, most of you, like they have good things to say, uh, good things about you. Um, but no, just their heart for you, their heart for this community, their heart for the lost and that's where I think we've really connected. Um, you know, my wife and I, we have a, a, you know, like a vision ministry, vision for our ministry on our refrigerator at home. And uh, one of them is just to lead hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus, you know. And we just want to make heaven as crowded as possible because God will just make it bigger. Um, but this morning I'm asking for your help. 
because Yes, we travel around uh, next weekend. We're at another church in North Carolina. A couple weeks after that, we're in South Carolina. The weekend after that, we're back at another church in North Carolina. And, and we're really just trying to make heaven as crowded as possible. But there's two of us. But there's a whole bunch of y'all. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, and this is a message God laid on my heart years ago. And it's something that I'm very passionate about and so I wanted to share it with you, but when I, the first time I preached this message, I had an introduction, and it was cool and all, but I told my wife on the way, on the way up here, I was like, just be thinking. I was like, there's, there's a better introduction to this message than, than that. And we got back to the hotel last night, and I was like, I've got the introduction. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah. I said, it actually happened um, Friday when we got here. Um, is he in here? Is Calvin in here? Okay, he's around, okay. He's chasing somebody around the building. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we, we got to our hotel. Um, we got up really early Friday morning because um, we're East Coast um, in North Carolina. That's where this lovely accent comes from. And so we got up 5 o'clock in the morning to be at the airport to catch a flight to go to Dallas, to be there for a little bit, to catch a flight to come here. So then we, we got here around 1.15 on but we were, we were exhausted by the time we got here. We stay, I had to stay up late the night before making my girls' lunches for school and packing and, you know, just, just everything you have to do before you get ready to go on a trip. So we got here. We were just exhausted and just kind of wanted to go and just lay in the hotel room for a little while. And so we, believe it or not, um, preachers do watch TV. Um, and so well, I got there and turned the TV on and, like, the screen just would never change. All it said was, welcome, Jeff. And I'm like, I wonder if all the rooms say that. Um, <laughs> like, if everybody's going to come by and knock on the door and just welcome. Like, well, thank you. Um, but we couldn't get the TV to do anything, so called down to the front desk, like, hey, you know, our TV's not working. So guy's like, hey, I'll be right up. So he comes up, open the door, and he goes, hey, Jeff. And I was like, man, everybody in Montana knows me. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> I need to move here. Um, and... Uh, I was like, hey, and I saw his name tag, and it's Calvin. I was like, hey, Calvin, it's nice to meet you. And he's like, you were here last year. And there's Calvin. Hey, Calvin. <laughs> I was going to say, if you haven't talked to Calvin, but if you've talked to Calvin, everybody's talked to Calvin. Um, but uh, he came in, he's, he's like, you were here last year. He said, and I rededicated my life to the Lord when you were here last year. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Like, I, like just blessed me beyond measure. But then, like, believe it or not, Calvin kept talking. And <laughs> but he, he told me, he said, God gave me the gift of gab. Um, but, like, it wasn't, some people God gave the gift of gab, and, like, you want to pray, God, take it back. Um, but with Calvin, I didn't feel that way at all. Like, I just wanted to, like, sit down Indian style in front of him like I was in kindergarten and just listen to him tell stories. Um, but he talked about how, you know, just all the amazing thing God's been doing over the last year. And, you know, he's working at this hotel. And he's like, this is what got me. He said, I see this hotel as my mission field. And I was, I wanted to be like, Calvin, you just go ahead and preach. So he rededicated his life to the Lord a year ago. And he has been doing ministry ever since. But how many of us have given our lives to Jesus? Thank you, God. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. 
I don't care about any of the rest of these people, but I'm not going to hell. And so when I originally put this message together, I titled it, Take the Witness Stand. But I, I was telling Pastor Sean and Heidi at dinner last night, I wanted to title it, What Are We Doing? Because we have the greatest news this world has ever been giving. But too many of us are afraid to tell anybody about it. I'll, I was going to apologize, but I'm not going to. If I step on your toes, that's you and your toes' fault. Like, if you were doing what you were supposed to be doing, your toes wouldn't be getting stepped on this morning. So we'll just leave it at that. But the thing is, is in the Word of God, in all four Gospels, Jesus tells us to go out and share our faith. In all four of them. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And then Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, most of the time when you see that verse, go, go into all the world and preach, everybody's thinking, well, that means I got to go to Africa. I've got to go to China. I've got to, I've got to go somewhere. Well, you do. Sometimes you have to go across the street. Sometimes you have to go to the grocery store. Sometimes you have to go to a restaurant. Sometimes you have to go to work. Sometimes you have to hang out with your heathen family <laughs> that need Jesus. That is going into all the world. Yes, there are people who, that's what they've done. Met this awesome couple last night who were missionaries for 21 years. Is that right? 21 years, like, out doing missions overseas. Like, that's going into all the world as well. Kelly and I coming from North Carolina to Montana is us going into all the world. But you going into your job tomorrow is going into all the world. You going out to eat after church today is going into all the world. When y'all go to the park today, I hope that y'all don't have a very good cornhole tournament because everybody's trying to lead somebody to Jesus. Okay. Then you see in Luke uh, chapter 24, verses 46 and 47, Jesus said, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So again, there Jesus is telling us it's our job to go and preach. Now, there's another... I'm going to share John's account a little bit later. It, it fits in a little bit better later on in my message. But the thing is, is if you're in this building or watching online, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are called to ministry. You're not only called, you're already in the ministry. It's whether you're doing it or not. Because you can see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verses 18 and 19. I'm, I'm going to show you where you're called into the ministry. In verse 18 it says, And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Another version says he gave us this wonderful ministry of reconciliation. So that's the thing. If you all want to go have a business card made that says I'm in the ministry, I'm Pastor Sean and I'm in the ministry of reconciliation. You know, I don't care what your name is. I don't care if, if, if you're a janitor. I'm a janitor, Janitor Joe, and I'm in the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what does that mean? The biblical definition of reconciliation is to bring into a changed relationship. So what our job is in this ministry of reconciliation is to bring people into a changed relationship with their creator. Because there are people out there who, I, I, I shared about it last night, when I lost my arm, I thought God had taken my arm. So I got really mad at God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I was done with God. A stranger uh, invited me to church. I was, I was shooting basketball. She came up and invited me to church. And something that I didn't share from last night, I told, I was telling about how this girl, like she was walking laps around the track while, and I was shooting basketball and she would stare at me every time she would walk by. Well, the, the thing is that I didn't share is the first time she saw me, God said, go invite him to church. And it took her 13 laps <laughs> to build up the courage to invite me to church. But if she didn't invite me to church, how different would my life be right now? If she didn't invite me to church, what about the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that we've seen saved as we've done ministry? Let me ask you a question real quick. And I asked this last night with, when we were at dinner. How many of y'all have ever, now don't blurt it out if you know who he is, but how many of y'all have ever heard of Mordecai Ham? Okay, like two people. Okay, how many of y'all have ever heard of a guy, probably haven't, Billy Graham? Okay, if you don't know who Billy Graham is, one of the greatest soul winners that's ever walked the face of the earth. People don't know who Mordecai Ham is. Mordecai Ham is the guy who led Billy Graham to Jesus. He did a week's worth of meetings in Charlotte, I believe it was Charlotte, North Carolina, Monday, nobody saved. Tuesday, nobody saved. Wednesday, nobody saved. Thursday, nobody saved. Friday, one person saved. Like, if you look at it, man, I was there for a week, and one person gave their life to Jesus. Like, and what you almost want to be like, gosh, that, that almost looks like a failure. I mean, one person definitely matters, but, like, if you're thinking five nights, you know, I'm thinking, let's get 100 saved every night. You only get one person saved. But that one person was one of the greatest soul winners to ever walk the face of the earth. So that girl, when she invited me to church, she wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to invite him to church so that he can travel the world and lead thousands of people to Jesus. She was like, I need to invite him to church because God told me to invite him to church. And the thing is, is that even if God didn't say invite him to church, she's in the ministry of reconciliation. So that was part of her job was to go out and lead people. With her, it wasn't a come up and witness to me. It was a come up and invite me to church. Um, now, I just want you to imagine for a second. Let's say that Pastor Sean has a great Aunt Bertha. And Aunt Bertha is loaded. Just got money on top of money on top of money on top of money. And Aunt Bertha passes away. And she leaves Pastor Sean $50 million dollars. That's amazing news for Pastor Sean. $50 million. But what if nobody ever told him 
about what had been left to him. He doesn't get any of the benefit, even though this was a gift that's freely given to him. He doesn't benefit from that at all. If Pastor Sean missed out on $50 million, he's going to be a little bit upset. But if Pastor Sean missed out on Jesus, yes, missing out on $50 million would be really bad, but spending eternity in hell, much worse. Much worse. So now I want to ask you a question, and I want y'all to be honest with me by a show of hands. How many of y'all get nervous just at the thought of sharing your faith? Anybody? Okay. Your pastor's hand went up. So let me ask that question again because all of y'all are like, nah, I'm, I'm super holy. Like, no, you ain't. <laughs> your, your pastor's hand went up, so I'm going to ask it one more time. How many of y'all get nervous at the thought of sharing your faith? See, you liars. All y'all lied the first time. <laughs> when I give the altar call, y'all better come forward is all I'm saying. <clears throat> I'm an evangelist. Well, that's what people tell me. Like, I don't, I don't really care about a title, but people are like, oh, you're an evangelist. You're an evangelist. I'm like, I'm a goofy one-armed white boy who loves Jesus and wants to lead other people to Jesus. If that makes me an evangelist, sure, whatever. But even as an evangelist, there are times when I feel God leading me to somebody, and I'm like, oh, man, I, well, I wasn't ready today. Or, gosh, that person looks mean. Some of y'all look mean. I'm just going to be honest. Like, <laughs> so this counts as far as I'm concerned. But, but the thing is, is, I told you that in all four Gospels, we see where Jesus was telling us to go and preach. Now, I want you to look at John's account now. And it's in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. And it says, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because... They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Obviously, this is after Jesus has been crucified. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So there we've got it. All four Gospels, Jesus is telling us, Go and witness. Go and share your faith. Now, if you notice in those verses, Jesus says twice, peace be with you. And from all accounts that I can tell, unless Pastor Sean can clue me in, Jesus did not have a stuttering problem. So I think that there's a reason why each one of those peace be with you's is in there. The first one is because they were afraid. Jesus had been crucified. Jewish leaders, like now, like, are they after us? We better go hide. Let's, like, let's, let's not die too. So I believe that's why the first piece was in there. But the second one, if you notice, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I believe what he's doing there is, is Jesus is like, listen, I know it's not easy. It's not always easy going out and witnessing. But my peace, I'm giving to you. So yes, you might be nervous when you think about sharing your faith. But when, if that's the case, 
I want you to think about it. And I, I'll be honest, there are probably some of you, 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 you're already having names pop up of somebody like, I need, to, I need to share my faith with this person. I need to share my faith with this person. It might be multiple people. Peace be with you. And you need to take that peace when you're, when you're going in to these situations. And so as I was putting this message together, I, was, I sat down with my wife and I'm one of those, I'm, I'm kind of a practical preacher. Like there are people who can like preach about stuff that, I, I mean, I went to Bible college and there's some people that preach on something. I'm like, yeah, I had no clue what he was talking about. Um, no clue. Um, but so with me, when I preach, I like to be very practical. Like, okay, he told us he wants us to witness. Well, how? Like, what do we do? And so what I like to do is like make things really practical. And so my wife and I kind of sat down and came up with a list of reasons for why people don't want to share their faith and how we can, you know, fight against it. And so the first one I've already mentioned, fear and nervousness. That seems to be the biggest one when it comes to people not sharing their faith. It's like, I'm too scared. I don't want to do it, you know. But again, ask for God's peace as you go out. But then this is something that God dropped on me as I was putting this message together that it, it, it kind of hits close to home, and I think you'll see why. <clears throat> We need to understand that our nerves, our fears, our anxiousness when it comes to sharing our faith isn't nearly as important as somebody's eternity. Are you willing to be uncomfortable for a moment to keep somebody from being uncomfortable for eternity? If you can't do that, you might need to respond to an altar call again and give your heart truly to Jesus. Well, I'm not, I'm not the outspoken one. I'm not talking about being the outspoken, like slapping people upside the head with the Bible. Like, that's not who I am. I don't, I, I don't think I've slapped anybody in the head with my Bible. But, <laughs> but we, if you look at your just moment of uncomfortability and compare it, like if you were able to put it on a scale, and put somebody's eternity on one side and your uncomfortability for a moment on the other, I think you'll see where the weight should fall. And then another thing is like, well, you know, we live in the, in the United States. Everybody has heard about Jesus in the United States. It's like, okay, all right, well, maybe, maybe most people have heard about Jesus, but I want to share something with you. I ran a poll on my Facebook page, and I was asking people, how many times in your lifetime have you been witnessed to? Not how many times has somebody invited you to church, but how many times has somebody walked up to you and shared their faith in Jesus with you? So I had to weed out some of these people because I went to Bible college, and like a lot of my Bible college friends were answering, and you know... They'll witness to you in class. I'm like, I'm sitting next to you. I'm training for ministry as well. Like, you don't need to try to lead me to Jesus right now. I'm good. So, like, some of them you had to be like, okay, yeah, you're, you're super Christian. You know, here's your cape. Um, but out of the 26 people that responded that weren't Bible college people, 23 people said it had been two times or less in their lives that somebody had shared their faith with them. Now... Out of those 23, 17 people said they had never been witnessed to at all. 
I have never been witness to. Not one time. Like, I was walking down the street one time, and there were Jehovah's Witnesses on the corner with this big old thing full of books and tracks and all this kind of stuff. And, like, I was walking by, and I saw them, and I, so I got to them, and I walked by a little slower. They didn't say a word to me. Like, man, that is weird. Like, Jehovah's Witness? Witness is in the name. <laughs> so, a little while later, I walked back by from the other direction. Didn't say a word to me. In my lifetime, I have never had anybody come up and share their faith in Jesus with me. Not one time. So again, I ask you, what are we doing? You can't tell me in my 47 years of being alive on this planet that I've never walked past another Christian. But not one of them has cared enough about my eternity to stop and talk. That's sad. And the thing is, is what if, what if people have already heard about Jesus? Statistics show that it takes hearing about Jesus, it takes people about five to seven times in hearing to give their lives before they finally make the decision to give their lives to Jesus. So yes, maybe, maybe everybody that you walk by, maybe they've heard of Jesus, but maybe they haven't made that decision yet. Maybe you'll be the first person to ever witness to them. Maybe they've never heard about Jesus. Maybe you'll be the 10th person. Maybe you'll be the 200th person. But at least you're trying. Because the Bible tells us, you know, when it comes to witnessing, you're either planting a seed, you're watering a seed, or you're harvesting a seed. You can't lose. What do they, they spit, you, spit, you, spit you in the face? I didn't say that right. Spit in your face? That's what I was trying to say. Maybe they hit you. Then you lay hands. What? No, you don't. But you know what I mean. But you can't lose when it comes to sharing your faith. I'll tell you the one that used to really bother me is, oh, I don't know enough. Or what if they ask a question and I don't have the answer? Like, I've yet to experience that, but, you know, you're always in the back of your mind. Like, well, what if they're like, well, did Adam have a belly button? I think I'm just going to start saying either yes or no. And they're like, well, how do you know? How do you know he didn't? Anyway. Um, but I've yet to experience that where somebody asks me a question and I just don't know the answer. But one thing that you can do is, is you can pray before you go out. And there's that scripture in John 14, 26. It says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So it's in those moments when you're, when you're going out to witness to somebody and they may, are, like, are coming up with a question and you're like, I don't know the answer. That's when you look real quick on the inside. All right, Holy Ghost, I don't know. Do you? He does. So if you are in tune enough with him, you can get the answer right then and there. But even if you don't, let's say you're having an off day. You know, let's say, you know, you woke up and, you know, you kicked the dog and your wife said your hair looks ugly or whatever it might be. So you're just not having a day when you and the Holy Spirit are like super tight. What you could do is you can go, say to this person, like, they ask you a question, like, you know what? I don't know. But 
Let me get your phone number. Let me get your email address. I'll find that answer for you and I'll get, to, I'll get back to you. Because then you've done a couple things. One, you're showing that person that you care enough about them and their questions that you're willing to go try to find the answer for them. But two, now you've got a way to follow up with them as well. So if it's somebody like random that you might just run into on the street, you don't have their number, now you do. Now you can follow up with them. I've led people to Jesus through text messages. I've led people to Jesus over Facebook Messenger. Like, people, when it comes to witnessing, they want to put God in this box. Like, this is how people have to get saved. Like, I, I want to rip the box apart. Like, there's no box. It's Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to be sharing is with, about Jesus. Or maybe a lot of people are like, well, I'm just waiting on the perfect opportunity. If you're waiting on the perfect opportunity, probably not going to come. And I'm going to give my wife full credit for this because she said it and I didn't. She said, maybe you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, moment, or setting, but in reality, any opportunity in any setting at any moment is the perfect opportunity that turns into a missed opportunity if you don't act on it. Amen. See, my wife ain't just hot. She's smart, too. Like, <laughs> whoo, jeez. She's blushing. I love that when that happens. Um, but so one thing that you can do is you can pray for opportunities. God, give me an opportunity to lead somebody to you. Then when the opportunity presents itself, you know, oh, answer to prayer. And I'm going to share a cool one here with you in just a second. Another thing is you might be thinking, well, I'm not any good at it. I'm not any good at sharing my faith. Well, practice. Witness to yourself in the mirror if you have to. Well, I can't quote all the verses. Okay, learn one. John 3, 16. Learn another one. Jesus wept. Because you didn't give your life to Jesus. I don't know. But just like <laughs> practice. But the thing is, like, even if you're not good at it, the more you practice, the better you're going to get. But it's like, it's not like if you, if you go and you just do a terrible job of witnessing, they're not going to go to hell like any faster or harder because you sucked at witnessing. You know, like <laughs> try. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to share this. But this happened to me when I was at Rama, And I was on the golf team. And getting ready to play in a tournament and this doesn't really have anything to do with witnessing but it kind of does we're getting ready to play in a tournament and i'm standing on the on the the range warming up and the guy on the on the one of the opposing teams that we were playing against he's warming up in this this like stall right next to me so i'm hitting and i hear one of his teammates come up like how you feeling he's like man i don't feel good at all it's like i feel terrible i don't even know if i'm gonna be able to play and as soon as i heard that god said pray for him and i was like you pray for him. I'm trying to get ready for a golf tournament. Like, I, I don't want to. I'm in Bible college. I'm training for the ministry. And I'm like, no, I don't. So I'm like, just keep practicing. And I started hitting it terrible. I'm like, tag on it. So then I, now I become the weird guy. So now I'm, I'm the guy who's stand, got all of his golf balls here, and I'm standing there with my golf club, and he's standing right here, and I'm just standing there staring at him. And I'm like, if he looks at me, I'm just going to talk to him. And so I'm just like, so finally he kind of turns around and glances at me, and I was like, so you're not feeling real good? He's like, no, I don't, I don't know if it's food poisoning or I just I feel really, really bad. And I was like, can I pray for you? His eyes kind of got a little big, and he's like, okay. 
So I just kind of walked over to him. I, I don't even think I put my hand on him. I think I just kind of got in his vicinity. And uh, I prayed a prayer. And we'll have to look when we get to heaven. But there is a chance it's the worst prayer that's ever been prayed. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, I'm like, where is this even coming from? Like, I, pr- I asked God to heal him gradually. Like... <laughs> They don't teach that at Rhema. I promise you they don't. But even as it came out of my mouth, I was like, you know, God, I just, I pray for, I don't even remember what his name was. I don't even, probably didn't even ask him what his name was. This guy, um, you know, whatever's wrong with him, Lord, just, just heal him gradually. And as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, God, I might as well just be saying twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Like, and so I was like, Jesus' name, amen. Hope you feel better, man. And I went back over to hitting golf. I was like, I'm so stupid. What an idiot. Like, there's no, he's, he's probably going to die. And, you know. <laughs> and so I don't know if I was like, it was the competitor in me. was like, well, maybe if God heals him gradually, he feels like crap all day while he plays. We beat them. <laughs> and then he feels better. But so I just felt like an idiot. And sure enough. He had to withdraw from the tournament. He started playing, and he started getting really sick. I'm like, faith man, took care of it, you know. So I was like, gosh, thanks, thanks God. I, you know, I really appreciate you putting me in that predicament. Well, about a month or so later, we were playing in another tournament, and that team was there again. And I saw that guy, and I, like, turned and went the other direction. Like, like he was on one end of the range. I went down to the other. Well, he sought me out. He came and found me. And I'm like, well, I know you don't want me to pray for him. I, I know that's not why he's coming over here. <laughs> so he came down and he was like, you're the guy that prayed for me at the last tournament, right? And I wanted to be like, <laughs> that, that was the other one-armed guy on our team. That, was, <laughs> that, was, that wasn't me. Um, I mean, what are you, you going to say at this point? Like, yeah, that was me, man. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> and he was like, you know, I, he's like, I ended up getting sick and I, you know, had to, I had to withdraw from the tournament. I was like, yeah, I heard. I was sorry to hear that. And he goes, but I just wanted to come up and thank you that you took the time to, to come and pray for me when I wasn't feeling good. And I was like, oh yeah, man, no problem. You know, it's just, you know, what us ministers do, us ministers of the gospel, you know, we just, we serve the Lord and, you know, no, it wasn't like that. I was like, you're welcome, man. But I felt like an idiot. Um, But anyway, I said all that to say, like, we've got to preach the gospel. Like, if nothing else, talk to Pastor Sean afterwards, Pastor Heidi afterwards, learn the Romans road. Walk them down the Romans road. If you can't do that yet, tell them your story. Because people might try to argue the Bible. Well, the Bible says this, but I don't believe it. Well, okay, that's fine. But did you know that when I lost my arm, I nearly died on the operating table twice? Did you know that if I would have died that day, God spoke to me audibly where I physically heard it with my ears, and he told me that if I would have died, I would have gone to hell, even though I was in church my entire life? You want to argue that with me? You can share, everybody in here has a story. It might not be as dramatic. You might not have an arm ripped off. You might have came out of your mama speaking in tongues for all I know. I don't know. (laughs) 
But each and every one of you, if you know Jesus, you have a story. And your story can impact somebody. But your story can't impact anybody if you don't share it with somebody. That's what we're called to do. So this is how I want to end this morning. I want to tell you a story. Yes, I travel around, I preach, I also do motivational message. Uh, in my book, you can read about, I broke a world record in golf for the longest drive with one arm, so I do that as well. But another thing that I do is I travel around and I do safety seminars. Because what I'm hoping is that, you know, I can go into some factories and stuff and by them hearing about what happened to me and how unsafe the work environment was, that it can stop an accident like mine from happening to somebody else. So I was actually going to the factory where I lost my arm to do a safety seminar. And on the way down there, I was praying. And it just kind of came to me out of nowhere. You know, when I go do safety seminars and, or when I go into schools, like I know when I go into a school, 99 times out of 100, I cannot talk about Jesus at all. It can't come up. You can get in trouble. Sometimes you can get away with it in certain, certain areas are a little bit more, I know they're a little bit more lenient here, but like certain areas like, if somebody sneezes, don't say God bless you, just say bless you. Um, but I was going to do this safety seminar, and again, you know, the guy who had brought me in, you know, he's a believer, and he's like, but you know, you, you're not supposed to really talk about your faith. I was like, I get it, I understand. Don't want to get you in trouble. And, but on the way down, I was praying, and I was like, God, I know this is a safety seminar that I'm giving, but I'm, I'm going to believe you for an opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus during these safety seminars. Don't know how it can happen, but I just, I'm praying for that opportunity. And that was pretty much my prayer. And so went, went down, started these seminar. The first seminar I did was, I think it was 11 o'clock at night. Like I had, to, I had to cover the third shift first and then I did like four or six more the next day. And so all of the seminars are going pretty much the same. I get up, I tell my story about how I lost my arm and but there was one of the seminars, I think it was like the second to last seminar that I was doing. And I talked about how when my arm got ripped off, I ran to an office and I stood at the office window looking in. I said, the guy came out and tackled me to the ground. Well, as I'm giving that, I see a big meaty hand come up in the back row. He was sitting back over this way, big meaty. And I'm like, I didn't, I'm not taking questions, but like, so I was, but it hadn't happened in any of my seminars. I was like, can I help you? He goes, that was me. He was the guy who had come and tackled me down on the ground, started wrapping my arm in paper towels, trying to stop my blood loss because I was losing blood so quickly. For those of you who missed it, like my arm was ripped off by a machine called a screw auger. Um, but he tackles me down on the ground. He's wrapping my arm in paper towels, doing anything he can to try to slow my blood loss. So when he said that during the seminar, he goes, that was me. And I was like, I kind of just stopped. And I was like, thank you. Like, he could have stayed in the office. He didn't have to come out and help. The other two guys didn't come out. They couldn't handle the sight of blood. So they never left the office. But he came out, tackled me, and was just doing, everybody was doing everything they could to slow my blood loss. And so... During that, as I finished that seminar, I was like, okay, when this one is over, I want to make sure I talk to him because I was in the process of writing my book at the time. And I was like, I want to see what he remembers, see if it's anything that I can add to my book. So after every seminar I had done, people stayed in that room for 10 to 15 minutes talking and, you know, 
not going back to work. Um, <laughs> I, shocking that that actually happens, I know, but it really did happen. Um, but this time, when it was over, I had a couple people come up, shake my hand, and say, thank you for the seminar, that was really good. A couple people came up, shook my hand, and said, you know, it was the first time they'd seen me since my dad had passed away, and he had worked at that factory. He got me the job. He was there when I, my arm was ripped off. And they were like, you know, sorry to hear about your dad. I was like, thank you. But after that, everybody left. Like, nobody hung around. Everybody was gone except for one person. And it was the guy who had raised his hand. So I went back and shook his hand, and his name was Joe Dew, but everybody called him Mountain. And I was like, oh, is it because you're a big guy? You know, because at the time, he was three. No, at the time when I talked to him, he was like 260. It's like, because you're like a big mountain of a man? He was like, no, it's just because of my last name. I was like, oh, okay, Mountain Dew. Got it. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, so I was asking him what he remembered about that day, and he said something that really stuck out to me. He's like, I remember being covered in your blood because I was, I was a, basically a sprinkler. Um, just it was going everywhere. And so he's like, I remember being covered in your blood. And I'm, man, I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody that I worked with. Man, I'm so sorry that y'all had to see what you saw and hear what you heard and all that kind of stuff. All of us ended up going to counseling at some point. And, um, but he said, do you, do you mind if I, do you have time for me to tell you a story? I'm like, man, you helped save my life. I got all the time in the world. And so he told me basically 10 months, almost 10 months to the day after my accident, they were rebuilding the, some of the furnaces and the furnaces they heat up. I believe it's like 2,850 degrees when they're making glass and but they have to rebuild the furnaces because there's this brick, but after a while it starts to deteriorate. So they have to tear it down. They have to take the temperature down like in three stages, then they rebuild it. Then they have to bring the temperature back up in three stages. So they would bring the temperature back up and it would, the you know, you know, heat makes things expand. And so they'd have to loosen some bolts. So they would have to do this in stages. Well, the bricks were starting to expand, so they had to walk out and loosen up some of these bolts. Well, somebody had, he didn't realize it, but they had these boards and there were these like supporting like planks that went underneath them. And he didn't realize that somebody had removed one of those planks. And so when he stepped down onto the boards, he said, I heard like a cracking noise and I turned and I fell in to the furnace. Yeah. And I can't remember how hot he said it was. It's, it's in my book. Um, it was way up there, though. can't remember if it was 1,300 degrees or I don't know. Um, it was way up there. And he said, like, it, was, it blows the heat. And so he said from his armpits to his knees, his skin started melting. And so he's in this furnace and it's like 10 feet tall. He was about six foot tall. And at the time, he said he was about 320 pounds. He had lost a lot of weight when I finally got a chance to talk to him, but he was 320 pounds. And he's like, I, I couldn't jump out. He's like, I started beating on the bricks. He said, and, you know, I'd hit it and my skin would just stick. Like just, just terrible. He said, and then I, he said, where I'd fell, fallen through, I saw a hand come in. He said, he grabbed that hand and the guy started to pull him out and the guy's shoulder dislocated and he dropped him. Oh. 
So he's like, this is it. This is where I die. He said, but then he saw another hand come in. He said, I reached up and grabbed that guy by the wrist. He said, that guy pulled me out like I was a cartoon character. He was 320 pounds. The guy who pulled him out, 170 pounds. A deadlift from here through him. He, he said he landed on the ground and his clothes were on fire. And he told me, he said, I don't know why I lived that day. And it was at that moment that I remembered the prayer that I prayed on the way down to that safety seminar. God, give me the opportunity to lead somebody to you. I said, Joe, I think I know why. He said, you do? And I said, yep. And so I told him about how the day I lost my arm, if I would have died, I would have gone to hell because I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. And I said, but I know now that my life is right. I've asked Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. I walk with him every day. If anything were to happen to me now, I know that I would spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. I said, can you say that? And he just stood there looking at me. And he shook his head no. He said, I've never felt like I fit in in church. And he said, I don't have a suit. <laughs> and he, he started to cry and he put his head down. I said, well, Joe, I've got good news. You don't need a suit. And we don't have to be in church. I said, I can pray a prayer with you right here, right now, and you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus as well. I said, would you like that? And he looked up, this big mountain of a man, he looks up and tears are just pouring. <laughs> and he said, I'd like that. So standing in the back of that room, I had the opportunity to lead my friend Joe do to Jesus. At that time, it had been 24 years, 24 years earlier in that plant, he had been covered in my blood. And that day he was covered by the blood of Jesus. We have the best news this world this world needs to hear. So I'm just going to encourage you, like, start praying for opportunities. Share your faith with, even if it's just one person. Talk about what Jesus has done in your life. But I also, I don't know where everybody in here this morning. I don't know where y'all stand with Jesus, so I'm going to give y'all that opportunity as well. So where, right where you are, Joy, if you would come up. Bow your head, close your eyes. Maybe you're in here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, and if so, then this morning is for you. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you've, you've accepted Jesus at one point in your life, but you've kind of turned your back on him. If you walked away, you know you're not living the way you're supposed to. Well, then this morning is for you too. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you don't know. 
You don't know what would happen to you. If you were to die today, if you were to get in an accident on the way home and die, if you don't know that you would go to heaven, then this morning is for you too. If you can't think back to a specific time in your life when you asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, then we can take care of that this morning. So if that's you on any one of those three things, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, if you want to rededicate your life to him because you know you're not living the way you're supposed to, or if you just need that know-so experience because you don't know where you stand with Jesus. So right where you are, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you on any one of those three things, just slip your hand up in the air. I see a lot of hands. Y'all can put them down. All right, everybody look up here for just one second. We're running out of time, so we're going to do this a little bit quicker. But when Jesus died on the cross for us, he did so openly. He didn't ask to be crucified back behind a row of trees or on the other side of a mountain. Like, he hung on the cross either partially naked or completely naked, beaten to the point that you couldn't recognize who he was. And he did that on the cross for my sins and for yours. So I only think it's right that when we come to Jesus or come back to Jesus, that we do so openly as well. So here in just a second, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand, should have raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to get up and I'm going to ask you to come line up right here facing me. And I'm just going to say a quick prayer with you. Because the thing is, if you can't make a stand for God in church, there's no way you'll make a stand for him out in the world. This whole message is pointless if you can't make a stand for God in church. So I'm going to count to three here in just a second. If you raised your hand, should have raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, get up out of your seat and come down here. Or what's everybody going to think about me? I don't care. There's going to come a day when you're going to stand in front of God, your creator, and it's going to come down to what did you do with what Jesus did for you on the cross? So I'm getting ready to count to three. When I get to three, immediately get up out of your seat, come down to the front. All right? One, two, three. Y'all come line up right here. Maybe scoot over this way just a little bit. church, if this doesn't get you excited, your wood's wet. For those of you that responded, I want to say thank you. But I'm not saying thank you for me because I didn't do anything for you. I'm just a goofy one-armed white boy who loves Jesus. But I'm saying thank you for accepting what he did for each and every one of you on the cross. Because the thing is, is we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer here in just a second. And it's going to be like you have never committed a sin before in your entire life. A clean slate. Yeah, big deep breath. Like that was awesome. I, I said clean. She went, exactly. Like you've never sinned before. God looks at you just like he looks at Jesus. Perfect. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and I just want you to repeat it back after me loud enough where I can hear it, where you can hear it, where the person standing next to you can hear it. Can we do that? All right, just say, Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I confess my sins to you. I believe that Jesus came, 
that he died, that he rose, that he lives, and that he is my Lord. I choose this day to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's pretty awesome. Pastor Sean's going to come up. He's going to tell y'all um, about a gift he has for y'all and stuff like that. Um, again, we'll have books available. Um, but, man, please, I, I hope to come back again if Pastor Sean's not tired of me. Um, and I want y'all to be able to tell me stories of people that y'all have led to Jesus by the next time I come back. All right? Praise God. Well, we have uh, a new believers pack for you guys. And there's some on either side. I don't know if we have... Okay. I know we have some rededications here, but if you've never gotten one from us before, please take it. Uh, inside of there, we have a card that's called Starting Point. And uh, on, the back of the, on the back of that card, there is uh, a link or where, we, where you would go to our website. And uh, there's a link on the website under the Sermons tab, and it says New Believers. And there are messages there that I really want you to take time and listen to and get it in you. Um, it'll help solidify if it's rededication, if it's for the first time, it'll help solidify who you are in Christ. And, uh, of course, we love you guys. Welcome to your church family. <laughs> your church family welcomes you. If you've never been water baptized, if you have, you don't need to, but we have a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. That's just another step in declaring to the world that you're, you're the Lord's. Amen? And so I just want to pray with you real quick again, uh, and then after that, we'll release. If anybody else does need prayer for anything else, whether it be healing or whatever, any need that you might have, uh, the altar care workers are up here for, for you to come after. If anybody did receive the Lord online, please contact us. Uh, we'll get this information to you as well um, to help you in your growth in the Lord. So let's pray. Uh, and we're meeting, let's see, we're meeting at the park at 1. Is that correct? 1-ish. Okay. 1-ish. That's around 1. <laughs> But uh, if you didn't bring any food to share or anything like that, don't worry about it. Just come. Bring your family. Call your friends. Call your enemies. They'll be our friends by the time we're done. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for everything you've done this weekend. Lord, we thank you for these that are making a bold declaration of faith in you, a stand for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're ministering and filling them with your presence, filling them with boldness. I thank you that the guilt of the past under the power of the blood is removed. Even the guilt that has been felt at times of the present, that that is also taken care of by the blood of Jesus. So, Lord, we purpose to not let the enemy talk to us about who we are, but we purpose to listen to you and have you tell us who we are in you. 
So even now, we do declare as the body of Christ, as those that have responded, but also the body of Christ as a whole, we do declare that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That Jesus Christ has made us pure before the Father, that we can go into the Holy of Holies, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace at any time to receive mercy and grace to help. Lord, we give you the praise and the glory for what you've done in this place today, for what you continue to do, and the increase that is continuing to happen for your kingdom work and operation. And Father God, we bless the next, the next years, but we bless this time even this afternoon. Lord, as we meet together, as we have fun, as we fellowship, I thank you that lives and, and family, church family and relationships will be strengthened. And Lord, that we, we, will, we will do as we always do, give you the glory for every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights. We give you the honor, Lord. We bless you and worship you. And we say to you be the glory in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.